I hope uh, that you are uh, adjusting to this format and that you are uh, joining in with us. Again, I know Jonathan is saying, you know, press the amens and the emojis. That, that will be helpful to uh, feel your encouragement this morning because I can't see your eyes or hear your laughter or just um, get a thumbs up once in a while. So just uh, really appreciate that you've joined us this morning. I have one small matter just to address before I actually move to my notes. And um, it's about um, Pastor Jonathan's theology. A couple of weeks ago, he spoke about dogology, I believe that's what he called it. And I just wanted to know that we are listening to the things that he shares on the stage, even if we are not in the auditorium. So he shared with us about how dogs see the goodness in their masters, while cats see the goodness in themselves. Well, my friend and I, we've been talking, and we've also realized that cats are quite secure in their identity, whereas dogs are always trying to prove themselves to their masters. I feel like they always want to get noticed, and they're just always trying to please, 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 like people pleasers, perhaps. Anyways, the cat is secure in its identity. I am not trying to just look at the cats here, but I do think the point I want to make is that we all have things to work on. So this morning, as we open up God's word and we look into Ephesians again, I pray that you will consider that we all have things to work on. So I want to start by reading from Ephesians 4, and I want to encourage you to um, open up your Bible. And I tell our youth in Forge all the time, your Bible is an interactive book. You can write in it, you can write comments, you can highlight, you can even doodle. And um, that's a way to show that you're engaging with God's word. So anyways, I want you to read along. Um, let's start with Ephesians 4, and we're going to read from uh, verse 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we no longer, we're no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let's go back to Paul here. 
He's writing to the Ephesians and has laid the foundation and the doctrine for the church. Pastor Jonathan has been preaching on Ephesians for the past couple of weeks, and we have learned a lot about our identity in Christ. Paul has emphasized that God wants us to be reconciled to him. We have an inheritance. We are chosen. We are loved. We are made alive in Christ. By grace, we are saved. There's no difference between us, and it's not by our works. It's because of who we are in Christ. And so now, at chapter 4, it seems Paul would be moving into transitioning to how the church members should act and how it looks like, what it looks like to be the church and what is our response to God for what he's done through Christ. So let's start with verse 1. And it's, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So Paul's describing a Christian as a worthy calling. He's in jail. He is sitting in jail because of what he has preached and taught and written and believes. And still he calls it worthy. Sometimes I think the world wants to look down on Christians and try to discredit us. It's good to be reminded that it is a worthy calling. And I appreciate so much um, last week, our mayor, mayor of Newmarket, um, made a comment to the churches and thanked the churches for the work that they're doing in our town. And he actually acknowledged that if the churches ceased to exist, a lot of things in our town would stop. A lot of things would disappear. And a lot of the things that the town depends on would no longer be because the church. So Paul basically wants to help a new church in Christ, figure out what was old thinking and what was new thinking and how that will apply. So they were walking it out as they were learning. And so are we. We're walking it out as we're learning these concepts because we are in Christ too and can know God's calling and his will for us. And I hope this morning I can help remind you of a few of the things that Paul is saying to the church. So in verse two, we read, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So right off the bat, Paul writes about keeping unity through peace, making every effort. So how do you build something through peace and unity? No, 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 no. You build things through leadership smarts and force and getting what you can and getting more for less and doing things for yourself because you can't trust other people. Have you ever heard or have you heard about um, a few individuals that at the beginning of this crisis started to gather up all the hand sanitizer and all the masks and started to sell it for exorbitant fees on, on, on uh, different places on the internet and it just made me feel ill to hear about that story. But then I realized people mark up things online all the time. That's being an entrepreneur. That's how you make money. And in the face of this crisis, I just think it's one step too far. I, I don't want to condemn them. I don't want to put them down. I think they're going by a worldly system. And yet Paul's asking the church to be about unity and peace and oneness. So whose idea was this anyways, starting to build something on those principles? Well, thank goodness it was God's. And if we go back and look at God's design, we can see that the desire for peace and unity is embedded in us from the very, very beginning. We're made in God's image and he is peace. He is a three in one, that's unified. 
God's original design for his creation is to enjoy peace and unity with him as well. All of our needs provided, no sickness, no death. We are at peace and feel unified. It fe when we are at peace, it feels good. It feels satisfying. We can worship and we can love each other freely. It's like this, it's stress is gone and anxiety is gone. And I don't know if you've ever felt that even in your marriage or in another relationship. It just feels good. There's a, there's a oneness and the kids feel secure. It's the way it was created to be. And it must be how it felt in the garden. God's original plan. But we know that didn't last. But now the Holy Spirit is in us and it's craving that unity and peace because that's who God is. So if we draw down more peace, if we commune with the Spirit, spend time with God, the more we become like the Spirit individually, the more time we spend, peace and unity will be evident in us and then also in the church. Life is certainly not perfect in the world, and especially right now. And humanly speaking, the church is not perfect, and it will never be perfect. But unity, peace, and love are the things that can set us apart. They are not part of a worldly system, and they will be recognized as counterculture. And that's exactly where we want the church to fit. Do you know how hard it is to keep peace and unity? Uh, my heart is going out to you right now, and anyone that's thinking about keeping a few kids home for the next three weeks understands a lot about peace and unity. It's going to be tested. And so the Bible continues to talk about um, being one body and one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. That's a lot of oneness. These are all the major things we need to pay attention to. These are the things that we should agree on as the body, as the church. It would seem to me that he's laying out the major things so that the Ephesians don't get bogged down with the minor things that may divide them or cause disunity. I think we can appreciate that. It's hard sometimes to appreciate people that are different than we are. How do we appreciate diversity and strive for unity and peace? We do that by distinguishing the things that really matter and letting the things go that don't really matter. We can learn to see differing viewpoints as helpful in the church. Different cultures, different personalities, variety, diversity, even disagreement can be helpful. All the believers were coming together under one head, which is Christ. And each believer with God-given abilities that would strengthen the whole church. No matter what gift, big or small, each contributed to an important function. It's a beautiful picture, right? So perfect in design. But we just can't seem to attain it or keep it. But that's, again, if we're dependent on ourselves. In verses 7 to 10, I think Paul wants to make sure that we understand it is not possible. And make no mistake, it's not about what we can accomplish, even if we do it together. He wants to make sure that those that are hearing his words, the readers that are reading his words, never lose sight of the fact that it is in Christ that is our strength. He reviews how Christ changed everything. Christ in his crucifixion and resurrection was victorious over Satan and death. When Christ ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to the church and he left his Holy Spirit for us. Nothing or no one is hidden from him. So even as you are um, maybe on your own today, no one is hidden 
from him. No one is beyond reach. No one is without purpose in God's plan of reconciliation. And our oneness in Christ doesn't destroy our individualism. Instead, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he has given us special gifts and abilities, each one with a purpose and a calling, meant to share it with the body of Christ and with the world. These verses stirred a picture in me of this game Jenga. And um, I'm sure this analogy has been used before, but it really made the picture of the church come alive to me this week. So you've got this game, there's 33 blocks, not all the exact same because the wood grain in each makes them individual, but they are equal. They are equal weight and equal size. And you build a tower. You have a pattern to make the tower tall, and yet it's not rigid because you can move the pieces and you can grow the tower. You move one part at a time. I'm not gonna move them right now because I need it to just keep standing. But you move one piece at a time and you build the tower. Maybe, what if we were to be able to fill the spaces with new blocks? What if we got an extra set or started to build with two sets? Could we, how high could we build this tower? How great would it be? Filling in the gaps, filling in the holes, using more blocks. Wouldn't that tower become stronger? Well, if you build carefully, you can keep adding. But if you are careless with the pieces, it could also tumble. If you bump it too hard, it's going to fall over. You can't, if you don't respect the pressure points and you don't find the places where you can get movement, you move one thing and the whole thing is going to come crashing down. Hold on to that thought because I'm going to come back to it. I'm sure you're starting to get the picture. The church is precious. It's God's gift to us, and it blows my mind how different the church can be all over the world. And yet our message is the same, and the foundation that we're built on is the same. Paul's message is relevant to all of us. Churches can be different. Um, online, I saw pictures of mega Jengas that reminded me of mega churches and painted Jengas that reminded me of more charismatic churches, churches that are different, and yet we all share common ground. Now, I saw a video this week of Kanye West's church, and I noticed that one of the articles had a comment on it. It felt a bit sarcastic, but it said, Kanye's weekly church-ish gathering. And I'm sure it must have felt like that for Paul. People couldn't take him seriously because what they knew about him from his past. And if you've listened to the sermons over the past couple of weeks, you understand that Paul had gone through his own transformation. But it didn't disqualify him from receiving grace or sharing the good news. It was a radical change, and many of the religious leaders could not get their heads around that Paul was now a champion of the church. Complete turnaround. They couldn't trust Paul's transformation. I'm sure Kanye's conversion and his church leadership causes some of us to doubt, but his testimony will stand the test of time, and the fruits of his life will become evident. We need to bless him. We need to pray for him and churches that are rising up. We need to bless those that come out of worldly, worldly situations and settings. And just like the Ephesians, they were learning to grow in their gift and learning what it means to be the church. Paul prayed for the Ephesians. His teachings were new, exciting, inclusive, and freeing. Those people he reached, they became the church. So it's our message and our lives that bring the good news. 
to the world. Each of us has a different calling and a different ability to reach a different crowd. So I bless, I bless the church and I bless the church today as they're meeting in different places and in different ways. I'm glad that we're different here in our town. I'm glad that NAC has a history of working with the churches in town and our denominations are different, but I can tell you that in each of our congregations, we are reaching different people and that's the goal. We hope Good Friday, we might be able to gather together as, the, as one church, but we're gonna have to wait and see how that um, comes about. There are house churches too, and I think it would be appropriate to say that they are just as valid and vibrant as any grand cathedral or any mass meeting that might be happening. Some choose to meet in house churches because they've seen its effectiveness, and some are forced to meet that way because large gatherings are forbidden. This is not a new thing in the world that the church has been forbidden to meet for in large gatherings. And please make no mistake, we are not forbidden to gather. We are being respectful in the fact that we are not having services here in our building right now. But we want to support what's happening and yet still find ways to be the light in our community. And Paul says, if we just review this idea of calling, he's saying, you were called, when you were called, um, what are we called to? He gave all people gifts and that we might prepare for God's people to serve. And so I would like to just look at calling first and then at gifts very briefly, and then um, we can uh, come back to our Jenga game. So I think if I was just boiling it down, what has God called us to? And I, I saw through my study and through the things I was reading, basically three things. Number one, he calls us to Jesus. He wants us to have a relationship with Jesus. He wants us to accept Jesus as our savior, accept his love, for, um, uh, confess our sins, and be drawn to him. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and it's a gift for each of us. The second thing he calls us to is sanctification. And sanctification is the working out or the process of becoming more like Christ. Again, not by works, not by power, not by privilege, not by prestige, but by the grace that is given to us through Christ. So sanctification is a gift from God. He changes us, yes, and it's a process where we are changing ourselves. So for example, disciplining ourselves to read God's word, it's a choice making good choices in our lives, becoming more and more of what God wants us to be and accepting and walking in, those, in our callings. And the third thing is we're called to serve, and each of us. And we don't do that alone. We are serving in the church, in the body, carrying each other's burdens and serving with one another. And again, in these days, it will be a test for us. We will retreat. Will we, will we self protect? Will we hide? Or will we just stay somewhere until the virus passes and hope that everyone will be okay? Or will we be people that see the needs and courageously step into people's lives and share the hope that is within us? Times of great conflict and depression and even war, if you look at history, have been important times for the church. God doesn't smugly, I don't believe, cause hardship just for his own purposes. 
And I know that sometimes our picture of God sees him that way. And he doesn't just make things happen so that he can prove that he is the Lord. But he is a redeemer. And I know that the church grows because of the way God redeems situations and moves in people's hearts. When all the pretense is stripped away and you have to be real, you come face to face with an understanding of, am I going to believe that there is something greater than myself or am I just going to stick with a worldly model that says, I'm all I've got and I've got to make it work? We may not be able to meet in this building right now, but the enemy can't silence our voices, our love, our unity, our prayers, and our serving. These are the weapons of our warfare, and the enemy only wins if we give up those weapons. In verses 11 and 12, it says, So Christ gave himself, gave, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness in Christ. So I read, we all reach unity, become mature, reach our full potential. And I want to take just a few minutes here and talk about our gifts. And first, I think we have two problems. Sometimes, let's just say, let's blame the first one on the leaders, okay? As leaders... We've taken liberties to put the gifts in a hierarchical system, okay? We see five gifts mentioned here, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, some translations say shepherd, and teachers. These gifts are not better than any of the others, but in some traditions, higher honor is given, and so we believe they have higher honor. The only thing that I read in those verses as I'm looking at this is that we have higher responsibility, we prepare God's people, and if God's people aren't prepared, it's on us. And so we take some responsibility for that. But there's also a second problem, and I can blame that on all of us as congregants. We can abdicate our role as partners in sharing the gospel because the pastor or the evangelist or the prophet are doing the real work, or they haven't done a good job at preparing me so I don't feel equipped, or I'm not being challenged, so I don't feel like this is the place for me. Have you ever felt that, well, that's not my gift, so then I can kind of let that go? Or you've taken comfort that someone in professional ministry or those with those giftings are doing the work? Well, we never get a picture here or in the other writings of Paul that it's up to a few gifted people. If we continue to read the letters of Paul, he addresses lots of gifts and continues to build the picture of the church as something that everyone shares. Serving, not optional. You may, see your, you may not see yourself with one of those five gifts, but maybe you haven't experienced it yet or really pursued one of those five. And if you're interested in finding out more about your giftings, you can send us an email and maybe this is a great time for us to do a Zoom or a go-to meeting where we can do a course online. And I know Pastor Jonathan would be very interested in starting up something like that if you were interested in discovering more about your giftings. And you can email the office at New Market Alliance and uh, we can get some more information about that to you. 
Um, and I could tell you lots of stories about people's callings and giftings, even my own calling to ministry. And do you realize that all three of the pastors here at New Market Alliance Church, they were called to ministry after they had already started paths in different careers? Anything is possible, I can tell you that. And their story after story of amazing and miraculous confirmations of God's calling on people's lives. And I hope people continue to share their testimonies about the calling that they've received from God, how God spoke to them, how God confirmed in them a calling that they were wondering about or that they were insecure about. People in this congregation have amazing stories. And it's not just about professional ministry. There are callings and cases reported of a call in a driveway to speak to someone in their, in their, neighbor, their neighbor in their driveway. Or it's just mom at the neighborhood park talking to each other while their kids are playing. How people listen to the quiet voice in, from the spirit in the grocery store, in the lineup at Canadian Tire, I don't know, at the, at the beach when you're walking along. Somebody, you go to a movie with someone and they start crying and you end up getting to pray for them. Being a servant and bringing the message of good news, being the church has different forms and different styles using different personalities in different settings. I think that comes through really, really clear. And some people are still struggling with finding that one call. But I just want to remind you that there's three basic things that we were all called to. We're called to Jesus, number one. We're called to be sanctified and we're called to serve. And you can't go wrong with that. We continue on, Paul also wants to tell us how this all comes together so that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there to the wind, to the, to the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And verse 16 says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In the body of Christ, serving is all of our business. It's actually what matures us. And it grows our discernment. It builds our faith. Growing together takes time and maybe even a tunnel of chaos or two, but it strengthens our relationships and it strengthens, strengthens the work we do together. And not just the body at large, but a contributing member of a group of believers that you love and become part of a family. That is such a beautiful picture. Accomplishing Christ's mission is on every believer. And I know that we're not here in this building this morning, and maybe you're checking us out on Facebook, maybe you've come to visit us a few times, but I want to encourage you that there are good churches all over town, and we love the churches in Newmarket. And so I just want to encourage you to find the one where you can feel like family and stick to it. Persevere, press in, and share your gifts with the body of Christ. And I assure you that there's no church that's better than the other. We're different. We're all growing and learning. And it's so important for us to realize. So back to our game of Jenga. The church is fragile. And... Honestly, the building is optional. The finances are vulnerable. The plans and programs are not even necessary. And we're going to see that. Sharing the good news and serving each other with our gifts and our calling, that's what matters. And we're going to be challenged to prove that over the next coming weeks. 
And if the church is not built on a strong foundation, it will topple when the storm comes or when a virus hits. And if there's too much emphasis on the professional staff, we're going to take a hit and we'll see that. But the real bones of the operation, so to speak, are the supporting ligaments that each does their work. I think that's a bad metaphor, but I hope you get the point. The Jenga pieces are still all present, even though they're scattered. Okay? They don't look the same. Some of them are on the floor right now, and some of them are on the table. But they've taken a hit. We know that. And if you look at this from the perspective of a three-year-old, okay, it's no big deal. Their towers fall over all the time. What do they do? They rebuild them. But none of their pieces are missing. All the pieces are there. So if we think about that, when all the pieces are accounted for, you can build a number of things. You don't even have to build a tower. You can build whatever you want. All the pieces are accounted for. The game has changed a little. It's a little bit different. But again, all the pieces are still present. Our desire is to become the mature body of Christ, and we can do that together, serving together with all the saints, being part of the body. And my prayer in this week to come is that you will pursue your calling in these times and know what God wants you to do, just how he wants. If it's to rest in him, if it's to find peace, if it's to take care of your family, if it's to take care of your neighbors, if it's to take care of yourself so that you can still take care of others, you need to be free to do those things. Find some moments to spend time with God, to refresh your spirit and your soul, not just your physical body, to give him those fears and give him those things that you're worried about. We are chosen. And over the last couple of weeks, we've learned that we are chosen. We are God's masterpiece seen before we were born. We are reconciled. We are confident. We are strong. And this week, we've added gifted, and called. So again, as Pastor Jonathan says, go be the church, and we'd love to hear the good things that you are experiencing. We want to stay in touch. You'll see um, updates on Facebook, and you'll get emails from us, maybe too many communications, but we want to hear from you too. Don't leave us out of the loop. If you have testimonies to share or things of how you are being the church in the world around you, we want to share in those victories with you. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. Talk about being the church, eh? Uh, thank you, Chris. We didn't, we didn't plan the topics this way, but I just found that so applicable to where we find ourselves today. And uh, so listen, as we close, I, I talked earlier about having my own fear issue. This actually isn't even coronavirus related. Um, this week, I'm going to have my very first surgery. Yay! Never broke a bone in my life. Never stayed a night in a hospital. Never had tonsils out or wisdom teeth out. And at Sunnybrook, there's a very well-regarded neurologist surgeon who's going to uh, remove a, a tumor from my leg. Probably benign. It's rubbing up against some nerves and causing me some uh, discomfort for, for years now, actually. Anyway, oddly enough, it was never the threat of... Um, tumors or cancer that freaked me out. It was um, not the big things, in other words. It was hospitals and IVs and needles. It's silly, right? 
But if you think about it this week, will you pray for me? Pray, pray for the surgery. I'm going to be out of commission for uh, a few days this week. I'm afraid the timing isn't awesome. But in the meantime, we are going to get super creative about how we connect with one another, how we minister to one another, how we love our community. Uh, we just have to. Um, I, I would love for you folks to submit stories, submit videos, submit testimonies about how you are living your faith in these strange days, and we'll share them. Uh, before we close, um, first of all, apologies for the streaming issues. We're going to get that nailed down. Um, I just want to encourage you, church, that now is not the time to have a scarcity mentality uh, regarding generosity. We have a tendency as humans to hoard. Chris talked a bit about that, you know, and we, we see through the lens of scarcity when times are uncertain. You know, we serve a God with this upside down kingdom who teaches us to trust, especially when things get uncertain. And he even challenges us. The only time where God actually says to test us, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and we don't know in what ways we're going to have to reach out to our community with hope in the days to come, the ways we're going to have to uh, minister to people, be generous to others. Um, I'm asking you, don't neglect the act of worship called giving. And it's easy to do online. There's a button on every page of our website, newmarketalliance.ca. If you are a check writer, you can drop it by the church, talk about bringing your ties to the storehouse. Right now on your device even, you can text any amount to 84321 and it'll come right to NAC, tax deductible to you. We never, listen, we never pass the offering plate as though we're somehow like you're paying for the service, you know, like paying your admission to the show. A lot of our shows, frankly, weren't worth the price of admission. Um, it's not about the service. It's about our mission, our desire to reach as many people with hope, to reach as many people with the good news of Jesus. It's about your worship, your obedience. And so even as tax returns start, you know, filtering in in the, in the coming weeks, I just challenge you to, um, if, maybe if you've never even given before, be generous in faith and watch how God provides. Watch. Uh, it's unbelievable. Maybe, maybe you'd start with 1% even uh, and, and just see what happens. Um, I want you to join us here next week on whatever device you're watching, 10 o'clock Sunday. Um, it's one thing to watch church, isn't it? It's another thing to do what we're challenging you to do this morning, especially in this season that we find ourselves in. And that is, say along with me now, go be the church. You are a loved people. God bless you.